Welcome to the Palm Court Podcast. Mike Palmer here, joined again by Megan Citron and Grant Balfour. Welcome back, both of you. Megan. Great to be here, as always. Excited to talk to these two wonderful alumna. Wow. Please contain your enthusiasm, Grant and Megan. <laughs> it's electric. I can feel it already. Okay. And welcome to our guests this week. We are joined today by Gwendolyn Bright and Dr. Krista Matrone. Welcome to both of you, New College alums. We're going to be hearing your stories today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm really excited to join you. And I know Gwen has been raising a hand as someone who's interested in podcasting and capturing these stories and talking about some of this stuff. And Gwen, I know you brought Krista to the party. So maybe we could start with you and get some of your initial introduction to our audience. Hopefully folks who know you are listening, but also folks who might not know you. So maybe let's start with you and then we can pick up with Krista, how you connect to New College and how you want to share your story. Great. Thanks. I was at New College from 03 to 07 and I came as an out-of-state student from California. I had been at an all-girls Catholic prep school and my grandfather was a professor at FAU. So he, hearing that what I was looking for was a small liberal arts school, really strongly suggested New College. And he brought me there for a campus tour when I was visiting my grandparents. And I was in love from my first tour with Brad Bryan. And my only qualm was I went in a polo shirt and a khaki skirt. And I said, am I going to be able to fit in here? I'm... Not so sure. You know, I've been wearing a kilt at school for eight years. And he was very encouraging. And, you know, it's been interesting to talk among folks within the resistance about, okay, this was my undergrad experience was very much like grad school. For me, the academics were not as much of a leap from high school because I had done so much of my own volition, extra English classes, all kinds of just, you know, I have, was able to sort of talk the nuns into letting me do what I wanted to do at Catholic school. And I had a literary magazine and newspaper and theater. And I continued, you know, a lot of those things at New College. I was involved with student government and I was an RA. But my first year, I really got like fully inculcated into the barefoot macrame top. I mean, it's not just about the aesthetics, but I was all in mm. for becoming a free person as quickly and thoroughly as I could. Well, you were recovering from a lot of years in school uniforms too. So, yes. you know, it's understandable. Right. Yeah. I, I was the same Catholic school. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Me not too. the same Catholic school. Our uniforms were really bad though. Bottle green, polyester pants. Oh, it was, it was awful. Oh, I, I was so glad to get great. <laughs> now, those things were like a fire hazard, man. Might be coming back in again, but yes, Ugh. please continue. And I studied literature and religion. So I I pretty quickly got in with Doug Langston, who sponsored my thesis. Mike Michelson, who was the president when we were there, was one of my committee members. And my baccalaureate exam was held at his house after he had hip replacement surgery. So he was not back on campus and in the office yet, but was willing to host my wow. back. Mm. And I mean, I feel like I've condensed this so much. We were there for the construction of the WXYZ dorms. Mm. So that was a big sort of moment of like that collective hackles being raised to, okay, the culture on campus is going to be changing significantly with increased student population was the idea with having a bunch of new dorms built. We were also there for a dean of students search that I am just so struck by the contrast to see what's happened now with 
sort of just decisions made on high decisions made without really any input. And when we were there, students, it felt like were really treated as adults and mm-hmm. as the, you know, important stakeholders that we were. So we were writing in the catalyst about our opinions from one candidate to another. It's just shocking to see the infantilization and the dehumanization of students because that felt completely out of the question when we were there 20 years ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot in there. And I know you and Krista overlapped quite a bit and know each other from school and have stayed in touch since, which is a, a recurring theme to, you know, where folks who attended together and or have connected outside of school over the years do feel like we're part of a relatively close-knit group. And then Krista, maybe you could pick up where Gwen left off a little bit and let folks know who you are and, and how you connected to New College. Sure. Yeah. So I was at New College from 2004 to 2008. I'm a Floridian. I grew up just north of the Tampa Bay area in a town called Spring Hill. Um, And as Gwen mentioned in the memo she sent you, I was homeschooled myself. And my homeschooling experience was a little weird because my parents are very much into intellectual freedom and autonomy and independence, a lot of the things that New College also really celebrates. Mm -hmm. They're also evangelical Christians. And so I grew up in a very kind of, um, you know, a particular culture, I guess I would say. And in the years leading up to me going to college, I was starting to really wrestle with and eventually losing my faith. But I was um, really isolated at the time because the community around me was entirely people I'd grown up with in my evangelical Christian community. Yeah. Um, Also, my parents are both college educated. My dad's also a physician, but I think they were kind of out of touch with what the college search looked like for people in the early 2000s as opposed to when they had applied. Mm. And so I, I actually remember, I think it was like January of my senior year. I had no plans. I don't know what I thought I was going to do. And I thought, oh, I should probably oh, apply to oh. college at some point. And so at the time, I didn't even know New College existed. And I think I got on a Princeton Review, like college match website. Mm. And I said, you know what? I'm going to start by being as specific about what I want as possible. This college doesn't exist, but I'll start there. And I put in and New College popped up. And I was like, oh, that's like two hours away. So the next month, my mom drove me down for a tour. I think Molly Robinson was there at the time in admissions, and she gave me a a tour. And there are two things I remember from that day. So Brian Cody, who is the New College Student Association president, when I was there, had actually just been elected and had just taken over. And for whatever reason, they were doing a meeting of all of the college student body presidents from Florida at New College that day. Mm. And Brian was was giving them a tour and he was taking them to College Hall and was wearing a suit, but he was barefoot. (laughs) And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I also remember touring him center and seeing the fishbowl, which I think has been since converted to a black box theater. Mm. But at the time was just kind of like a hangout area with mismatched furniture. And it seemed so approachable and accessible to me. So I thought, I think this is the place for me. And so New College was the only place I applied to. And I um, got my acceptance. I still have the letter that Molly wrote me, actually, a couple of months later. And um, before I started, this was the early aughts. So that was the era of online web journals. And I actually connected with Gwen's younger sister, Annie, who Mm. was also going to be going to New College in my same class. And she and I ended up connecting the very first day of orientation once we arrived at campus. Wow. Uh, and so I know this is a lot of backstory for orientation, but I feel like it was a very important kind of transformational time in my life. And one thing I remember from orientation, for anyone who's met Annie Roberts, she is someone who kind of like radiates joy. She has the most beautiful, warm smile, and she's like a community builder. People flock to her. 
I don't know if I would have had any friends if I hadn't connected to her. She was like the core of my entire connection, social connection at New College. One day we had gone down during orientation to like look at the Sainer Auditorium. And there's a Steinway piano on the stage there. And I'm both Annie and I are pianists. And Annie sat down to play a beautiful Debussy song called The Maid with the Flaxen Hair. And she was playing it and it has this like crescendo. And I was looking at her and looking at the other people with us and thinking like, I'm going to be able to find myself here. Like, I'm going to be able to figure this out and I'm going to be able to do it connected to community, not isolated from community. Like, mm. I think that was my experience of trying to wrestle with my faith beforehand had been so isolating. Mm. And I thought, here, I can explore that. And it's going to be with people who can hear me out and not try and force my thoughts in a particular direction. And that felt really special. I have been trying to think about how to talk about the educational as opposed to the social aspect of New College. But at least for me, I think they were inseparable. I hope we'll talk more about kind of the educational structure, because one thing I didn't mention is that I am an educator. I'm a medical educator. I have a master's degree in education, and I actually now am the associate fellowship director for the neonatology fellowship at my hospital. So basically, I help train next generation doctors who are in the same field as me. Mm. And uh, I have a lot of thoughts about my educational experience after new college, because I don't think that I understood what a precious thing the new college educational structure and experience was, except in hindsight. I mean, mm -hmm. I loved new college while I was there, but I don't think I recognized what a special, unique, amazing place it was until I experienced many other types of higher education from many different perspectives. Yeah, that's great. And there's a ton in there that I think we'll want to circle back to uh, even around homeschooling and that experience and then that experience leading into new college very different than attending a Catholic school, for example. And then the other element of the story of each of your stories that Megan shares is that you've also connected with other folks who attended New College and built families, had kids, done interesting things in terms of the social fabric there as well. Megan, maybe you could pick up a little there just to reacquaint our listeners to your story. And then maybe we could pick up with, you know, Raising a family of folks who are part of the new college culture is certainly something to dig into. Yeah, I know. And in, in my case, I've been with my partner from new college over 25 years or gosh, more. No, it's been more than that. More. It's been a couple of 30 years almost. And, you know, we, we got together right at the end of, of our new college time. And I, I was really curious about you guys. But I know in our case, it kind of I feel like it solidified the new college cultural thing for us because we had different friend groups. We had some in common, but it sort of expanded our network of people after New College and kept that alive, at least for me. You know, I've said it before, but I've actually met more people after New College than I think I met during New College. And, and then it just made me more open to the whole idea of what makes us special and seeing how we all go out in the world and do these different things and form these little micro communities. Like I lived in Washington, D.C., and we had a our own little community of new college people. And we solidified our friendships even more and we all stay in touch. And then of course now coming back, but I was curious about how that is for you guys. And also curious about, you know, what your kids might think. I don't know what ages they are, but what they might think about new college, if they have any perception of it, because I know my son, he grew up here in Spain, but he knows new college inside and out <laughs> in some ways by meeting so many different people passing through and our friends and it's like a huge part of his life. It's like another family for him. So I was wondering what that's like for you. 
Well, Krista mentioned my sister also came to New College, Annie and Marie. Mm. So she was a year behind me in Krista's class. And my kids have one uncle. So my husband, Austin Brown, was in my class, my entering class, and he studied sociology. Our kids are seven and four. And other than Austin's one brother and my one sister, all of the adults that my kids refer to as aunts and uncles are other New College alums. So, you know, a lot of our chosen family is distributed across the U.S. We're in Charlottesville, Virginia now. It's where I'm raising my kids. But, you know, Uncle Max comes on the train from Philly every now and then. And when we go to Florida, we get to see Auntie Krista. And, you know, my kids are getting a political education through the current situation in Florida and with New College. And there's a kid's picture book called Marlon Bundo that John Oliver put together a few years ago that referred to the orange menace as the stink bug, essentially. And so my kids definitely refer to like the stink bugs who have taken over new college and the stink bugs who wouldn't let them marry whoever they would want to marry. And like they have all of these kind of, you know, political and social values that come up in these conversations for sure. And the academic freedom and social learning and the natural state of man being ecstatic wonder. I mean, these things are absolutely informing the way that we're educating them and and following their lead in what they want to learn. And so that's that's a little bit of my story of parenting people that I imagine would fit in well in the new college that I mm. loved. <laughs> right. And how about you, Krista? Yeah. So my husband, Robert Matrone, and I was Krista McGrew while I was at New College. So I now have my husband's last name, Matrone, and he was two years ahead of me. We have been together now for 17 years. I think, Megan, like your experience, we actually weren't part of the same friends group at New College. Um, he and I dated, started dating towards the end of my second year. Gwen and Austin and many other people that she mentioned, including Max and Annie, were kind of part of our core group at New College along with many others. And Robert had his own kind of separate crew, having been there for two years before me. And I do think it's hard for me to imagine not being married to someone from New College, because I do think it's not New College itself, but rather the values and the kind of perspective on life that many New College alums seem to share that I like, I couldn't, I don't think I could be a life partner with someone that didn't share those with me. And so we have two children. My daughter Stella is eight and my daughter Ada is four. Stella is homeschooled, so I work full-time and Robert stays home, so he's the main homeschool parent. Actually, I take a pretty minimal role in homeschooling. Mm -hmm. And then my younger daughter is currently in a Montessori daycare, but will be homeschooling once she's five, so mm -hmm. next year. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, for us, every approach we take to education mirrors the approach New College takes to education. We do a kind of an unschooling, very kind of soft curriculum. And I think the thing, referring back to when Gwen talked about people being infantilized at New College... I'm not shocked by that because that has been my experience of almost all of higher education other than New College. I think that's actually a much more common approach in higher education and the treatment of recent adults who are kind of building their lives. Mm. Uh, but I do think that one of the things retrospectively that was incredible about New College and that I try to bring both to my kids' education and also to the students and fellows and future physicians that I help teach is this idea of trustworthiness. Not only that the learners are trustworthy, but in fact, the most trustworthy artisans of their own education, right? Mm -hmm. I think that was what New College kind of was founded on, the idea that not 
after you've earned it, you have it inherently, the trustworthiness to guide your own education. Mm. So um, certainly that is what I hope to instill in, in my children. And that's what I hope to bring to any of my roles when I'm modeling or educating others. And that I, I can't say it came from New College, right? Because all of us were drawn to New College for a reason. I think those were already values that many of us kind of carried in nascent or some form inside of us. But I certainly think they were shaped and strengthened by New College. They were given new form by New College. It's yeah, a it's core a, Montessori thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's a core Trust Mont- the child. Montessori thing as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm a parent of a four-year-old, so I do envision some play dates in our collective future <laughs> if the stars align. But it is really interesting, maybe from your perspective, Krista, and then I, I guess we're going to have good representation from Catholic school education from the rest <laughs> of the folks on today's episode. But what was it like coming to New College and how did that, I guess, the blend of both the educational philosophy and the culture, like the, the social mm-hmm. dynamics of New College, how did that feel? And are there some contrasts and some of your experiences there? Because then I feel like we could probably get that from everyone. But I don't know if I've really talked to someone who came to New College out of being homeschooled and then also with the evangelical angle. I think that's mm-hmm. a really perhaps unique perspective that might shed some interesting light on even what's going on today. Yeah, I I think I certainly have been reflecting on my specific experiences there, given some of the claims about New College that have come out about it being kind of a place that wants to create uniformity of thought. Like, I I find that very funny and bizarre. (laughs) Uh, And so I had a pretty rigorous homeschooling education. So actually, from an academic rigor perspective, I felt like New College was a pretty I think like what Gwen mentioned, it was challenging. Like New College was a very challenging place to be educated, but not in a way that was like unexpected for me or unwelcome. I, I think the social changes were the biggest, but also probably quite welcome. So one of the things I'll say about New College, so I studied biology there with a particular focus on neurobiology. And obviously, I think that the natural sciences at New College were their own kind of the, the stepchild of New College, I feel like. It was always like this little side group of people who were in the sciences and then everyone else, I felt. And so the natural sciences at New College, again, in retrospect, were exceptional because you could not pass those classes, even the most basic classes, without having a deep and fundamental understanding of the material. Mm -hmm. That is not true of the way the natural sciences are taught in almost any other place, because if you're taking multiple choice tests or even predominantly multiple choice tests, I just don't think it really queries your knowledge of the material, your ability to really work with and kind of rotate or transform the material into to something new. Mm-hmm. And New College did, right? I mean, all of the classes, but that included the basic physics and calculus courses there. You had to really understand the material and demonstrate it in order to even pass the class. And I think that, you know, again, retrospectively prepared me in a very different way for the next steps of my education, including medical school and then becoming a practicing physician. I think that new college prepares people to dig into complex problems. And the natural sciences education does not always, right? I think it can it can treat things a little bit as too much like black and white, or there's an easy or correct answer to every problem. Mm-hmm. And, and there's not. And if you deal with complicated problems in the natural sciences, you know that. Like the, there's it's not black and white. It's not so simple. Right. And so I think that many people who who train in the natural sciences don't really get that until graduate school. Whereas I absolutely think that was part of the training at New College. Mm-hmm. And how soon did you like go out and do transepts? Like I, I started as a bio student, right? First year, I think my first semester, we were out waiting in the bay doing transepts, trying to do like ecological surveys of 
which organisms are in this square meter. I never did that. Oh, man. No, but I did, you know, the, it's interesting. I did go to do one of my interim projects at, at the Lemur Conservation Foundation. And so I went and like hung out with lemurs in the forest, also with other it's, college alums who basically wow. ran the Lemur Conservation Foundation, which was uh, just a, about a half hour drive away from New College. Huh. And also worked at Moat Marine Lab with their manatees, one of whom I'm sure you all recently heard about. Oh, because at the time, several of the psychology professors were doing a lot of research with both the manatees and the dolphins that were housed at Moat Marine Lab. I didn't really honestly get into a lot of that until my third and fourth year. And I think, again, retrospectively, I already was planning to go to medical school when I arrived. And I kind of wish I hadn't known that or planned on that because I was so focused on getting the basic prerequisite courses done that the first year and a half or two, I don't really feel like I took advantage of what New College offered or the best of what it could offer me. It was really, I hit my stride with that really in the third and fourth year, both with my thesis work, but then also starting to branch out into non-natural science coursework in a more intentional way, which again, I think New College, a double-edged sword of not having requirements. When we were there, I think the only requirement was the completion of one course in each of the three main kind of science categories. And other than that, you could do whatever you wanted. So I, I, you know, I didn't have to take any non-natural science courses. I wanted to. And eventually I got into creative writing and our history courses and comparative religion courses. And I think those, frankly, added as much to my ability to do my current job well as any of the natural science classes I took. But, you know. Yeah. And you got to know all manner of mammals while you were exploring the surrounds in Sarasota. And you touched on it a little bit earlier, Gwen, but, you know, it sounded like you had a different flavor of first experiences at New College, but anything to build on based on what you're hearing from Krista or any other ideas you want to put out there? Well, I was so glad to be reminded that Krista had done the Lemur project, because as you, you know, recall all the, or I'm beginning to recall the independent study projects that, you know, maybe as you go, they become more pertinent to what you're studying, but they can also be so out of left field, you know, which was a huge gift because it was a hard fight to to do anything out of left field with nuns mm-hmm. so I, I mean i have a recollection of sitting with sister claire and she said to me calculus makes the world go round you will never go anywhere if you don't study calculus and i said well what will happen if i decide to take dramatic literature and english lit ap and there was no consequence. And so there was no longer an obstacle, even though the norms were such mm. that it might not have been her first choice for me. And that was sort of a precedent in a way for working with professors as contract sponsors and independent study, you know, mm-hmm. folks who signed off on tutorials. And so it was my inclination to look to teachers as mentors as opposed to authority figures. And I think that that you know, that carried at New College very much. Yeah. I guess if you can negotiate with nuns, everything is easier, <laughs> you know, like you're, some resistance training up yeah. front. But Megan, it sounded like you were going to say something. I was just going to say, I mean, that part of, of New College is something I don't think gets talked about much, which is the the idea that we are really taught to pitch our ideas and defend our ideas and go and find someone to support us. And Sometimes that even meant, you know, money, breaking the rules a little bit, resources, you know, you could just suddenly, if you had a really good idea and you found a professor or someone, you know, like we were talking about Jim Feeney, and I had completely forgotten Jim Feeney was this man who helped us all do study abroad. And he just 
made it possible. Any idea you had, he, you could go to him and he would just make the impossible possible. And But it had it taught us to kind of even, I think a lot of us were introverted and nerdy, but it taught us to just get our acts together and go pitch ideas. And that's so, it's one of the more valuable skills you can have, you know, in the world. Yeah. Now we're doing to try to save the school. So. Right. And, and that's part of where maybe I wanted to go next is, you know, I think Chris at the top, you were talking about some of like the academic philosophy of new college and the idea of really empowering that curiosity and being student led. And now a lot of the new actions that are, are being taken are perhaps more top down structured, you know, forcing folks to sort of kind of experience a single path to some extent. I'd love to get reflections really from anybody on the call here around the difference that we're seeing now in terms of maybe more of a top-down structure being imposed versus sort of the open-endedness that many of us were able to embrace at New College. And I will mention, you know, here the, the valid critique that I think is out there is that it works for people who can do it but not everyone really is cut out for it. And I think we all have stories of folks who really struggled with being able to thrive the way some of us were able to within this environment. But any thoughts on, you know, what's special about the academic culture, just the culture in general, and some of the things that were really are at risk, even just over the past eight months now, since the hostile takeover, maybe we could start with you, Gwen, and then kind of freeform it from there. I think so much loss that I'm seeing is encapsulated in the neglect of pay. And what I mean by that is to just talk about that this has been coming, that this has been building and that it wasn't an out of the blue hostile takeover in January, that that neglect preceded the siege or whatever we want to call it, because the idea in the mission statement that drew us all there, I, I believe that the residential college element was a huge part of it, that there was almost like a summer camp vibe so that it was truly safe. I mean, I think that when we were there, we saw shifts in increased staff kind of layers of hierarchy in residential life. There were resident directors hired. It was a new role when we were there. Folks came in from outside. There was already this very much, you know, insular culture in a way, but Mm. welcoming and inviting one. But to have usurpers or, you know, folks from outside come in to oversee those of us who were RAs who knew the culture and we were dedicated to maintaining it or stewarding it, then to have folks come in and tell us what to do was really egregious then. And I absolutely see that now listening to current students who sort of just want the support of adults and mentors to be free to give them the guidance and the resources that they need to learn and I'll be honest, like to be free people, you know, and that's, you know, absolutely ugly and like to be disdained and squashed in the eyes of folks who just want to wear their suits and ties and go to their baseball games and have the product go down the conveyor belt to Armageddon, I guess. I don't really understand the goal ultimately, except in some ways I do. I think I want to just mirror something Gwen said that one of the things that really defined, I think, the overlapping time we were at New College was changes more to 
oversight and governance on the residential or the student affairs side. Those were the conflicts that we experienced, I think, very intimately while we were there. And I have to say of all of the news that has come out recently, the thing that actually really gutted me was the news about students moving out to the hotels. And it's not even so much about the pay dorms. I lived in the pay dorms for three of my four years at New College. So I do have a very personal connection to those specific buildings and the specific iconography of Palm Court as the central gathering place and all of that. But in the end, like those are just buildings, but the idea of physical community on campus and the idea of social self-governance is so integrally tied, I think, to the educational mission of New College that, again, it's hard. It's just hard for me to imagine it in a new form. I can't, I'm not going to say that it, it can't survive or thrive in a new form. It's just I do think that my experience at New College was about both self-governance in both things. The New College Student Association, while we were there, had a huge voice in campus politics and hiring decisions. We had very direct communication with administrative leadership in the college. It's not like they always did what we wanted, but we always had a voice with them to share student concerns. And frankly, the whole residential side of the campus felt very much like it was a student space run by, administered by students with very rare exceptions. And again, that started to shift towards the end of of our time there. And, you know, I think that was challenging, you know, and it was something that was a source of a lot of drama and anxiety at that time. But retrospectively, obviously, small beans compared to what some of the students currently are are going through and experiencing. Yeah, it's really wild when you hear the critiques of the nanny state, when in some ways this is now a new imposition of more controls and more structure. And I'm always struck by, you know, late 80s, early 90s when I was at New College, it was very much... It was like extreme Lord of the Flies in terms of its lack of support, except we got a, we all got along and Lord of the Flies went worse, I guess. Maybe we didn't get along. I don't know. Maybe it was Other like, moments. We but... had, we had, yeah, yeah. But it was a similar philosophy of like self-governance and autonomy. And it had to get us together more than fighting the administration. That was really the least. Or the external community or whatever, any, you know, we would fight amongst ourselves. And then when something would threaten us, we would all band together again. You know, yeah, so. which, which is kind of big picture what we're seeing now. This has been a unifying force, I think, for folks who have attended New College, who love the school and now feel like, you know, at least the school as we understood it may never really return to where it was. To your point, Gwen, it, it needed to change. You know, President Oker, who was there, Part of her mission really was to point us in a new direction, but also respect the foundations of what made the college great. I'd like to maybe pick up more on your lives after New College, which, you know, interestingly, both of you have landed in similar fields and, you know, explored different career paths since then. Maybe if we could get a little more into what you're doing today. Sorry, I just wanted to start that conversation by asking what y'all's theses were in how you go from whatever thesis to wherever you wind up. Oh, I'm excited about that. My thesis was on pre and post Vatican II depictions of Jesus in 20th century literature. Nice. I remember at my back talking about, you know, all these Nobel laureates who I'd use and all these like uh, amazing authors who were well respected. And then I had Jesus Christ Superstar as a text and also a book called Lamb by Christopher Moore. And Doug Langston said something about, you know, how do you justify having these midgets among giants, you know, in your bibliography? And David Schatz said, Doug, 
she doesn't think of them as midgets. And I was like, that's right. How dare you talk about who are giants in a field of literature? Right. Who are you to define highbrow and lowbrow? And so these conversations. Are you I going to despise me? And they're also, I think the term would be little people, Doug, you know, <laughs> and, and also Doug, Doug was a great colleague and fellow <laughs> member of the Bones. And he was also one of, this is all said with love for Dr. Langston. Yes. Oh my gosh. So much love for Dr. Langston and David Schatz. And, you know, I just, I really lucked out with the professors who I worked with, but I, I left new college with Austin, who is my husband now and our friend, Tim Bisker, who had been running the four winds for a year. He graduated a year before we did. And then he ran the cafe for a year and they came with me to San Francisco where I had an internship with McSweeney's publishing. So Publishing was my first vision for Afternoon mm. College, mm -hmm. but I have always been somebody who gets very excited about things falling in my lap. And so I did a year of AmeriCorps service after that and was an assistant teacher in a Catholic school in San Francisco. And then I went to acupuncture school and then I became a birth doula and eventually an abortion doula. So I do full spectrum doula work, supporting people through any pregnancy outcomes and experiences. I have brought a lot more of the publishing back in in the past few years as a poet. And now I'm also teaching poetry to homeschool high schoolers and littles. So I have a poetry tea time class for kids who are three to seven and a literary magazine production class for homeschool high schoolers. That's amazing. And Megan, I, I believe you were pitching ideas for Jesus Christ Superstar being <laughs> recast with the current set of characters from the hostile takeover. So I don't know how much we want to get into that right now, but that's certainly one to to follow up on. Yeah, I think on the Bayfront, you know, the puppet show, maybe through puppet stream is the way to go. Yeah, and I think was Rufo pilot? Was that what we were saying? I, I forget. Oh, well, no, well, he's uh, not sympathetic enough, I don't think. Yeah, so we got to brainstorm that. That's that. Maybe that's a separate episode, Gwen. Maybe but there's certain, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. A lot in there, but oh, we're oh. going to let that go. And, uh, <laughs> okay. and Krista, the interesting thing I was thinking about around pre-meds, as I've learned more about medical education, it really requires a lot of discipline and structure around which courses you take and when. And that's why, like, you know, you threading that needle directly into medical school through new college, through the natural sciences, that is certainly an interesting wrinkle to your experience. It's tough to follow where Gwen just took us, but well, I'm sure so, you could. Listen, I'll tell you, listening to Gwen, I was thinking how I feel like I'm goal oriented to a fault. And that started at New College, right, where I already knew going in that I was going to be pre-med. And that really guided almost all of my coursework for the first two years. Yeah. As you said, the required coursework for medical school acceptance is intense. There's many, many hours required labs and basic sciences. And to complete all of that without doing seven courses a semester really required almost exclusive focus in the first couple of years. And then similarly, I did make the choice to go directly to medical school. I didn't take any gap time. And I pr pretty much been a straight shot through. So medical school is four years. After medical school, you do residency training. So I'm a pediatrician by training. After I completed medical school at University of Florida, I headed up to Boston I was there for four years to complete my peds training. And then also I did a master's degree in education while I was there. That was the only detour, actually, I would say that I have taken in my entire professional life thus far and a really important one. But then I continued on to do three additional years of training to do my subspecialty work, which is in neonatology, the care of sick and premature newborns. Yeah. And I've been all these years, I mean, we're out a long time from college now, and I actually only started my real job four years ago. <laughs> 
it was all training up until then. And so I think, you know, that's been a blessing and a curse. I think there's something to be said for a discipline and goal orientation. But one of the things that actually was most beautiful about New College was the opportunity for serendipity. Mm -hmm. I think at New College was such a small and tight-knit campus that both socially and academically, things kind of just happened organically that were very special and felt magical when I used the term kismet earlier. And I felt Mm -hmm. that way about a lot of things that happened. I also feel in some ways like maybe I created walls inadvertently against that happening to its fullest extent for me in my education. I think I would have done New College a little differently if I could go back and do it again, especially yes. knowing now that I probably could have gone to medical school even without the extreme focus on the sciences. And I, I think retrospectively, I probably wouldn't have taken my AOC in the natural sciences. Mm. But hey. You know, it got me where I am and I really love my job and I think it uses a lot of the skills that New College taught me. And, you know, when you were talking about kind of the Lord of the Fly social environment earlier, I was thinking, I mean, that was actually at least 60% of my education at New College was learning how to like live with in meaningful ways and kind of trust and enjoy and commune with people who had very strong opinions that were sometimes very different than mine learning how to navigate, getting what I needed from my supervisors who themselves were very busy and had a lot going on, learning how to fulfill my own educational needs, but also the deeper needs I had for like spiritual and personal exploration and community building. And I think learning how to balance all of that again with autonomy, with self-governance at New College really has shaped the whole rest of my, my life. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I would have learned that going to one of these kind of major state schools. My original plan had been to go to University of South Florida. And I think on a campus like that, especially, Megan, you mentioned kind of being introverted. I mean, especially being someone who's by nature introverted and had to really be, I think, pushed to learn how to speak out for myself and, you know, be externalized in that way. I think I probably would have gotten lost in the shuffle. I think I'd be a very different person for better or for worse. You know, I think probably for worse, in, in my opinion. Yeah. And do you care to share your thesis topic? Sure. You'll be totally shocked to hear that my thesis was a hard science thesis. So I actually, speaking of serendipity, my mom on a plane met a USF neuroscience professor and introduced me to him. His name was Dr. Sam Supporta, and he was doing a basically wet bench research on a stem cell line that you can force to turn into a neuron-like stem cell or cell. And I actually ended up commuting up to his lab to do the majority of my thesis work and basically looked at if you kind of mixed in particular little RNA messengers, you could force the neurons to become a particular type of neuron. Wow. That sounds cutting edge. How old were you? 21. Nice. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't really, I mean, it wasn't good science to be very clear. The natural sciences sometimes sound impressive to people just because like they, they do, but it wasn't, the science wasn't good. It was hard work a lot. The science wasn't good. Hmm. The problem is interesting. You have me at neurons. You have me at neurons doing interesting things. That's a big part of what life is about. Mm -hmm. We're getting close to time. It's been amazing having, I can't believe the time has flown and we'd love to have both you back on and also explore how you can continue these types of conversations. As we're concluding here, maybe some final thoughts as we wrap up, some takeaways for our listeners, anything you want to put out there? Continuing to make the connections and sharing the stories among and then radiating out from our community, I think is so important right now. And by our community, I just mean new college alums and the families we've built by birth and by choice. And I think that's feeling hopeful to me. So any places where we can grab onto the gems of hope, we should 
not just hoard them, but also distribute them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the things I've been thinking a lot about is I think I'm as sad as anyone else about what's happening in New College. But like New College, as we knew it, already didn't exist, right? You can't step in the same river twice. And I think that there are things that we experienced each individually in our New College experience that were so unique and personal. But like those things we're still carrying within us. It sounds a little churchy, but I do feel kind of like, you know, New College isn't about just the institution or the place. Obviously, it was a magical place and hopefully can be again. I think that that's, you know, something that we can also continue to hold on to. But for me, a lot of the hopefulness comes from the fact that like, you know, we are New College still. And the values that New College brought out in us, those things exist and can continue to exist in other forms of education and in the ways we are impacting the world around us. So I don't know, you know, being in Florida, it's a complicated political situation. I think my focus has not been on the individual groups that have kind of risen up of new college alums, but more like what is the future political milieu of Florida going to look like? Because I think that's actually the thing that has the biggest potential of reversing or undoing some of what has happened thus far. But also just kind of as Gwen, as you said, holding on to that hopefulness about there being something that can't be undone, right? Like, that, you know, it already happened. Mm -hmm. And it's still happening. I mean, this it's is still an, happening. this is an example yeah. of it, and that's part we're of why. <laughs> yeah, that's part of why we're trying to get these types of conversations going. Thank you so much to Krista and Gwen for joining us on today's episode. Thanks. It was great talking with you. Awesome. And Grant and Megan, thanks again for joining. Any concluding thoughts as we wrap up here? Friendships, you know, these these long term new college friendships, and I think that's. For me, that's the most meaningful thing I took away is the people that I know and just grown with, grown up with and keep growing up with. And it's beautiful to see you two and, and your friendship and your families knowing each other. And that's the sort of thing. It's intangible. It's not the ultimate goal of education, but it's it's something really special about New College. Our cockles are warmed. Thank you for joining. Thanks, everyone, for listening. It's the Palm Court Podcast. You can find us anywhere you find podcast. We're also at palmcourtpod.com. We'll be back again soon. Thank you for listening.